We've been talking all this week since Monday about the heart and the big part that the heart plays in receiving healing. You do realize that you receive with your heart. You receive from God with your heart, not with your head, not with your body per se, but with your heart. The Bible says, for with the heart man believes. In these verses you see some very enlightening statements. Proverbs 4, beginning again with verse 20. He said, My son, attend to my words, incline thine ear unto my sayings. Let them not depart from thine eyes, keep them in the midst of thine heart, for they are life unto those that find them, and health to all their flesh. Keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. Oftentimes, uh, we'll just stop reading according at this 22nd verse, but all this goes together. And I think you can certainly see that verse 23 has to do with healing. He's talking about how that God's words are life to those that find them and health or medicine to all their flesh. And he immediately says, keep your heart. Guard your heart. One translation says, keep it above all that you keep. Well, that's saying something, isn't it? Keep your heart above all that you keep. Guard your heart. Protect your heart. Keep your heart. Why? Because out of it, out of your heart, are the issues of life and come the issues of life. Well, that sounds like healing. What is it that heals your body? Well, it's the life of God. Where does that life issue out of? Well, of course, it comes from God, but where does God live? He lives in your heart. And so that life is going to come from Him out of your heart. Amen. And the reason He... he, he admonishes us to keep our hearts above all that we keep is because the enemy is always working to try to cause us to have problems in our heart that are obstructions and hindrances to the flow of life from God to us and through us. Look over at the 14th chapter here of Proverbs. Proverbs 14 and verse 30. It says, a sound heart is the life of the flesh. One translation says it like this, and this, is, this brings up an interesting aspect. It says, a tranquil heart. Tranquil. Or we could say peaceful. I don't know if you realize it or not, but the words sound and whole and peaceful are similar. If something is, is whole and sound, it is at peace. And uh, there is healing in the peace of God. There is restorative healing power in the peace of God. The peace of God is the manifest presence of God. You know so many times when we say we sense the presence of God, what was another word we could use? So many times we could say we sense the peace of God. Because so often that's the way he, he manifests himself in our midst is in, in the, the form of peace and the, the spirit of peace. But he says a tranquil heart, a sound heart, a peaceful heart is the life of the flesh, but envy the rottenness of the bones. So if your heart's in good condition, that's going to affect the, the flesh. Amen? But if you've got heart problems like envy, how many know envy is a heart problem? It's a heart problem. Envy, jealousy, grudges, whatever, then that, uh, that can affect your flesh. In this situation, he said it can affect rottenness in the bones. Well, that's certainly a bad situation. Can your heart, the condition of your heart, affect your flesh? According to the Bible, it does. Now, we talked about some of these things at length, and we talked about the fact that the Bible brings out many, many different conditions of heart, conditions that the heart can be in. We listed several. We said there that just in, a, in, in somewhat of a, a brief overview, we saw at least 40 different conditions of heart that are mentioned in the Bible. The Bible says you can have a pure heart, you can have a lowly heart, a humble heart, you can have a hard heart, a doubtful heart, an honest heart, a good heart, a troubled heart, a sorrowful heart. 
You can have a, a foolish heart, a broken heart, a steadfast heart. You can have a blind heart, a deceived heart, a condemned heart. Or you can have a wise heart, a willing heart, an established heart, a heavy heart, a merry heart, a glad heart, an evil heart. And thank God you can have a perfect heart, the Bible says. Amen. Just to mention a few, that's not all of them. But just to review a little bit, because some of you weren't with us. <clears throat> we also asked the question, can a Christian have heart problems? And the answer was emphatically yes. Sometimes people imply that uh, once you get born again, that the human heart is infallible, that you can't have heart problems. But the Bible doesn't teach that. Jesus said, out of the heart come all kinds of problems. Matthew 15. And we said, lest, lest people think, well, that doesn't apply to us. He's talking to people that weren't born again. We came over into the book of Acts. We saw Ananias and Sapphira. They were members of the church at Jerusalem. Born again. In all likelihood, baptized in the Spirit, speaking with tongues. And the Bible said that the devil filled their heart to lie to the Holy Ghost. We looked over at Simon in the 8th chapter of Acts. And we know he was born again. The Bible tells us he was born again. We know it, uh, no, no question about that. And their, their indication is that he also had been baptized with the Spirit and spoke in tongues, and yet Peter told him, your heart is not right in the sight of God. Didn't tell him he wasn't saved. How many of you can be saved and your heart not be right in certain areas? So we're asking and answering the question, can a Christian have heart problems? And the answer is yeah. You can have, you know, some of these things we mentioned. You can let stuff get in your heart. Now, don't misunderstand me. You see, bad things are not going to come from the inside of your heart from the Holy Ghost. You understand? But there are bad things from the outside that if you let them, they can get in. Amen? They can get in your thinking. And it always comes, if things, things that affect your heart have to come through the doorway of your mind. That's an important statement. Don't, don't be afraid that something's just going to get in your heart and you're going to have bad things in your heart. No, it's entirely up to you whether you let it in or not. And, and bad things are not going to get in your heart just because a thought crosses your mind. But if you begin to entertain wrong thoughts and you meditate upon them at length, eventually that'll begin to, your, your mind will be affected by it first. And if your mind stays affected with it long enough, it'll begin to affect your heart. Amen. So, how many of we ought to be very careful about our minds? And where he said, keep your heart. And one translation said, guard your heart. How can you guard your heart? Be careful. We, we, we uh, mentioned to you yesterday how you could get full of something in your heart. How you could get your heart full. And we talked about that you need to be full of the Spirit. Amen. And we got happy about it. Isn't that right? Those of you that were here. And, uh, you know, you, we talked about how that people are full of all kind of things, sometimes except the Holy Ghost. And how can you tell what folk are full of? Well, listen to the mouth. Bible says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Whatever you're full of, it'll come out of your mouth. Amen. Well, how can you, uh, what, what, let's say you're full of, full of junk and you want to get full of faith. You want to get full of the Spirit. How can you do it? We gave three specific keys uh, to getting filled uh, with, with, with the right thing. We said, number one, you need to hear the right thing. Amen. Number two, you need to meditate on the right thing. And you need to say the right thing. So just like, just like bad things have gotten into people, you can get good things into people. And we talked about that no matter if there were some bad things in people's hearts, they can be displaced by the good things. If you get full enough of the right thing, it'll push the other junk out. Amen. Thank God we can be full of faith. We can be full of power. We can be full of love, full of joy, full of peace, full of God, full of the Word. Amen. We don't have to be full of doubt or full of worry or full of anxiety. We don't have to be. If you are, you don't have to be. You can change that. And it's more up to you than it is anybody else what you're full of. But thank God we can get full of the right thing. Amen. Full of God. Full of God. 
So we talked, we talked about some of those aspects. We talked about, you know, how to find out what's in your heart and then how to get full in your heart of the right thing. Today I want you to turn with me to Luke the 8th chapter. Luke chapter 8. And let's talk today about the kind of heart that produces results. Luke 8, the kind of heart that produces results. We'll read the the entire situation here that, that Jesus taught because it's in a shortened form here in Luke. And it's what we call the parable of the sower. Actually, the Bible also calls it the parable of the sower. But we'll begin here in chapter 8, verse 4. It says, And when much people were gathered together and were come to him out of every city, he spake by a parable. He said this, A sower went out to sow his seed, and as he sowed, some fell by the wayside, and it was trodden down, and the fowls of the air devoured it. And some fell upon a rock, and as soon as it was sprung up, it withered away because it lacked moisture. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns sprang up with it and choked it. And other fell on good ground, and sprang up and bare fruit in hundredfold. And when he had said these things, he cried, He that hath ears to hear, let him hear. And his disciples asked him, saying, What might this parable be? And he said, Unto you it is given to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God, but to others in parables, that seeing they might not see, and hearing they might not understand. Now the parable is this, and so he proceeds to explain the parable to them in private. The seed is the word of God. Those by the wayside are they that hear, then cometh the devil and taketh away the word out of their, what? Hearts. Lest they should believe and be saved. They on the rock are they which, when they hear, receive the word. Now let's just stop right there. When we say receive, receive where? Receive it in your heart. Even though it doesn't say that, we understand that. Receive the word into your heart, you see, with joy. And these have no root, which for a while believe, and in time of temptation fall away. And that which fell among thorns are they, which when they have heard, go forth and are choked with cares and riches and pleasures of this life. In other words, they were too full, their heart was too full of other things. Isn't that right? And it was, it was choked out, you see, and they brought no fruit to perfection. But verse 15, But that on the good ground are they, which in an honest and good, what? Heart. Having heard the word, keep it and bring forth fruit with patience. Hallelujah. I like this parable, don't you? I like all of Jesus' teachings. Amen. If he had tapes out, I'd have all of them. Amen. With backup copies. But we have, we have, this is an excerpt from one of Jesus' sermons. You understand this? This was the day he was teaching and preaching. And we have an excerpt of his sermon and also a, a, a backroom explanation to his, to his disciples. How many of we ought to treasure these things? We, these things ought to be the most precious things we, we know of. Amen? You know? This is the same thing as sitting in the crowd and, and looking at Jesus and hearing him teach. Same thing. How many knew if Jesus was, was, was teaching in a certain place, you'd want to go to the meeting? Yeah. Is that right? <laughs> well, did you know in a very real sense, his spirit is in every one of our services? Amen. And if people are yielding to him, even though they are not personally Jesus, yet Jesus is ministering to us by His Spirit through different parts of the body. Amen? And really when the Lord says something to us, the quickening of His Word, the inspiration of His Spirit, it wouldn't be any more Him if He descended through the ceiling in bodily shape and form and said it in the flesh personally. It wouldn't be any more Him and it wouldn't be any more steadfast or trustworthy. Amen? That's the truth. 
than what he said in the Bible, what his spirit is inspiring, you know, and quickening to us as we hear his words. But uh, this is a tremendous parable. He said that the, the soil went out and sowed the seed, and he describes four different kinds of ground that the seed fell on and the results of each one. And of course, just to, to you know, shorten it, only one of these types of ground produced any fruit or crop. Now he said to us, when Jesus explained the parable, he said that seed represents the word of God. The seed is the word. Now you know the Bible calls the word seed. The Bible tells us over in 1 Peter 1 that we're born again, not of incorrupt, not of corruptible seed rather, but we're born again by the incorruptible seed of the word of God. Now I think sometimes we misunderstand we need to see the whole perspective of what's being talked about here. How many know that there are lots of different kinds of seed? So many times when we think of seed, we think of plant seed. How many know there's also animal seed? How do animals reproduce? There's the seed that's conceived and develops and, and, and the animal is born. What about humans? How do they reproduce? Seed. There is human seed. And so I think sometimes it'd help us better if, we, if we'd remember that when talking about being born again because how are you born naturally? By a seed. Amen? A human seed is conceived in, 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 the, in the, the mother's womb and then the child is born. How do you get born again? A spiritual seed, amen, is received and conceived and you are born a spiritual birth. Just as real as the natural birth. Amen. And you're born a babe. And if you feed on the sincere milk of the word of God, you'll grow. And just like you grew from a babe to an adult, you can grow from a spiritual babe to a spiritual mature one. If you have the right diet. It doesn't just happen automatically with the passage of time. You have to be fed. There are some situations where folk have been born again for quite a few years and they're still babes. It doesn't have to be that way. As soon as somebody starts getting fed real good on a consistent basis and they start exercising their faith, they'll start growing immediately. Amen. But uh, these four different kinds of ground represent four different conditions of heart. It's especially appropriate to us since we're talking about the heart. The, the, the ground represents the heart of human beings, doesn't it? Doesn't it? I mean, there's more than one reference to it in the passage, isn't there? Let me remind you of it. Some of you seem a little slow on that. Uh, notice verse 12. Those by the wayside are they that hear, then comes the devil and take away the word out of their hearts. See, when he told the parable, he just talked about ground, wayside ground. When he explained it, he said heart. Isn't that right? And then again, down in the last verse, we mentioned verse 15. The good ground are they which in an honest and good what? Heart. Ground, heart. Ground, heart. What's the ground? Heart. Four kinds of ground mean what? Four kinds of heart are, you know, basically they're just one kind of human spirit, but we could say four conditions. Four conditions of the human heart or human spirit. Do you realize, even already from seeing this, that the condition of the heart makes all the difference as to what's produced? Just like the condition of the ground makes all the difference as to what, whether you even have a crop or not. Three out of the four produced no results. Amen. Now, there, there's something we can learn here. There, there, there may be many people that hear the word that the word is sown into their hearts. But there have been quite a few people that didn't have any results. Does that mean the word doesn't work? Does that mean the seed's no good? Does it mean the seed sometimes you can't count on it, sometimes it comes up, sometimes it doesn't? You just No, no. What do we come back to? The ground. Isn't that right? The ground it was sowed in. But now, unless you misunderstand... You might say, well, what if I've been uh, wayside ground or rocky ground or, or, or thorny ground? What if I have been? 
thank God, one thing about this kind of situation, you can change into a better kind of ground. Amen. I mean, even in the natural. You can take poor soil and turn it into rich soil with the right kind of supplements and nutrients. I mean, again and again, folk have gone out in the middle of the desert and there's nothing but sand there, been nothing but sand for a long time. They start irrigating and pouring the fertilizer to it and those kind of things, you see. Next thing you know, boy, you got a, you got a crop out there. You can take what seems to be just barren, nothing land and you can turn it into a fertile valley. Amen. Same thing with hearts. Hearts can have been hard and can have been thorny and such that they didn't produce. But thank God if the, if the individual is willing to let God work and make some adjustments and, and do what they can do, they can become a, a, a heart that produces tremendous results. Now this, does this have anything to do with healing? Out of your heart are the issues of life. A sound heart is the life of the flesh. I mean, if we're talking about healing, we're saying we want a healing crop. Isn't that right? If we, if we want healing, we want a healing crop. Well, uh, where's that healing crop going to be grown at? In the ground of our heart. It's the ground right here. Amen. It's the, the seeds right there in the book. Amen. If we got the right kind of heart and we'll plant that seed in there and keep it, we will have a healing harvest. Amen. Just as sure as farmers plant their crops in the spring and reap in the fall, it'll happen. Even more sure. It's possible that a natural seed might not come out, come up. But with God's seed, it's called incorruptible seed. Amen. Let's talk about the kind of heart that produces results. Look at verse 15 again. This is the kind of, this is the kind of ground that you and I are going to be. Notice I said are going to be. Amen. Not want to be, are going to be. It says that on the good ground are they. Everybody say I'm good ground. I am good ground. That on the good ground are they which in an honest and good heart having heard the word keep it and bring forth fruit. They had a harvest. With patience. All of these words are important, aren't they? Notice the first thing he said, what kind of, what kind of ground, what kind of heart is good ground? Good heart, honest heart. Honest. Honest. What does honest mean? No lying. That's right. Truthful. Isn't that right? Sincere. No deceit. No guile. No hypocrisy. No facade. No falseness. No trickery. Being real. Being sincere. Being truthful. You know, the more I learn about the Lord and about the character of our Father, that aspect stands out to me more and more and more. I know this much. If I know anything about God, I know this. He hates a lie. I didn't say dislike. He hates it. I could give you several scriptures to substantiate that. If you know the Bible, you know that. Just read Proverbs, for instance. God hates a lie. He abhors it. He'd rather you about do anything except lie to him. And that explains why some godly people are the way they are. Amen? And the more I grow and the more I learn, that's, I'm, I'm more that way. Not that I don't control it, but I'd rather you slap me in the face. I'd rather you hit me with a stick. I'd rather you, you know, do a lot of things, but lie to me. Lying to me bothers me about as much as anything. Now, there's probably not a person in this room that has never told a lie. I know I won't ask you to raise your hand. I've told I've told lies. You ever told a lie? <laughs> you sure you did? Little kids a lot of times. Little guys. Just they'll lie. 
the enemy starts dealing with them early. Did you, you know, somebody broke a, a vase, you know? Did you do that? Mm-mm. Who made the mess in there on the kitchen table? Did you do it? Mm-mm. Lying can start real early. The parents need to let children know that that's one of the worst things they can do. It's not to be laughed at as cute. You understand? It's not to be allowed and tolerated. I thank God my, my parents, that was one of the biggest things to them. My, my dad, you just did, you, I knew, I knew not to lie to him. <laughs> he never abused me. He, he never, you know, broke my arm or lacerated my body or, you know, you know, he never abused me at all. But, but I knew that, that I'd, I'd get so much further down the road with him, even though, even though it was something tough that I had to tell him, if I'd just tell him the truth, just go ahead and face up and, and deal with it, but don't lie. And you know, if you're going to be a person of faith, you have to be a person of truth. You have to be. Uh, you're kidding yourself if you think that you you can be a person of faith and a person whose words are words of power and words of faith if you also tell lies. It ju- it just doesn't work that way. Remember what Mark eleven twenty three said? It said, uh, "Whoever will say to the mountain, Be thou removed, be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that what God says." Mm-mm. What does it say? Believe that what he says comes to pass, he will have what he says. So in order for this to work for you, what have you got to believe here? You got to believe what you say. Isn't that right? What if you tell lies? What's going to happen? Well, if you, if you tell lies, you know you tell lies, whether anybody else knows it or not. You know you tell lies. And so it's going to hinder you from believing your words. Because you know part of the time you lie. And when you get ready to stand up and say thus and thus in the name of Jesus, your heart is going, well now, is he telling the truth this time or what? You see what I'm saying? Being, Being truthful and honest directly affects your faith walk. Directly. Not indirectly, directly. Directly. It's of the utmost importance for us to have an honest heart. And you know, I don't intend to belabor this point, but but this is a bigger issue than what many people think. It really is. Many people allow different different degrees of falseness and different facades and things that are not really real to affect their heart. And the Bible talks about something called the pride of life. And involved in the pride of life is a desire to impress others. And if you're not careful, you will yield to different things in an, in an attempt to impress others with different aspects of your life. And that is falsehood. And that is not being an honest individual. And you're not having an honest heart. Now, when I say having an honest heart, we could also, the Bible talks about having an open heart. Open and honest. When I, when I mean that, I don't mean that you just tell everything you think and everything you know and everything you believe and say everything you feel. I don't mean that. I don't mean that. Because discretion and wisdom dictates that you don't say everything you think. You don't say everything you feel. But this is the issue. You don't, t- you don't have to tell everybody everything you know, think, or feel. But this is the issue. What you do tell them is right and honest. Amen? And how many know that there's different ways of lying? You know, if somebody says, did you do this? And you say, no, when the answer is yes, that's a lie. But I may know that, that, that there are other areas that are not that cut and dried 
There's sometimes you can just not say anything and leave the wrong impression. And that's lying too. Somebody says, well, that's just a little white lie. Where did you ever see a thing about a little white lie in the Bible? I've had people even tell me that. That's just a little little white lie. Like, like that's all right. The Bible never said anything about white lies or black lies or red lies or yellow lies. Lies. Just lies. It didn't say anything about little lies or big lies. Falseness and falsehood reveals heart problems. Here's what it reveals, and it's not very pretty. It reveals a yielding to the enemy and a giving place of the enemy in one's heart because who is the father of lies? The devil. If you tell a lie, no two ways about it, you gave place to the enemy. You yielded to him. You, you let his in, you let his nature and his thinking and his influence into you and you expressed it. Like I said, we've all done it. But it's ugly. Isn't it? I said, it's, it's, it's not some little small thing. Well, that's all, you know, everybody tells lies once in a while. That's all. No. Uh, uh-uh, it's not alright at all. You know, if people ever could really, you know, I, I'm convinced of this, that if, if people could see in the Spirit and see sometimes, see and hear and smell what they're yielding to, they would be aghast. They would be absolutely, you know, they'd abhor what's going on. Because demons are not nice. That doesn't mean you're possessed. It just means you're fellowshipping with the wrong spirit. Amen. You need to understand, all falseness is of the devil. All of it. You know it didn't come from God, don't you? How many know God does not have a shade of falseness about him. Not any remnant, any slight variant form of deception or falsehood, nothing. He is truth. Truth, he is light. In him there is no darkness at all, the Bible says. Amen. Truth, total truth, nothing but truth. In the devil, there's no truth in him, Jesus said. He's a liar and he's the father of it. And if you understand God and you take on his character and his heart, like we said earlier, we're supposed to have a heart like God's heart, a heart after his own heart. If you do that, then you'll begin to feel like he does about it and you'll you'll hate and abhor any kind of falsehood and lies. Now because, how many know the world is full of falseness? You understand that? Why? Because who's the God of this world? You know? It's no wonder that some of the most famous people in our society, some of the most highly paid, highly noticed, most widely known people are people that are proficient at falsehood. Isn't that right? People who pretend. And portray lies. Isn't that right? Isn't that right? It's amazing how sometimes, if you don't know what I'm talking about, I'm talking about the, the movie business. These kind of things. And don't misunderstand me. I realize that there are some, you know, some situations that there are some redeeming elements. But... So many times people get to looking at something on the screen. It was somebody's imagination to begin with when they wrote the script, and you want, you need to stop and ask yourself, uh, what was influencing them when they wrote it? You know, it's quite obvious on a lot of it. Who was? Especially take some of your horror films. And these guys that author these horror novels. 
They fellowship for days with demons. And they receive inspiration from them. That's why they're able to communicate things that solicit such fear. Because that's the devil. The devil loves to put people in fear. He thrives on it. He feeds on it. Fear to him is what faith is to God. And you're foolish if you open your mind up to that stuff and give him something to give him something to work with you and bring up to you and remind you of again and again. It's just not smart at all. But the thing is, so many times people get to looking at the, looking at people on the silver screen, looking at people in those situations and how they lived and how they did, and they think, oh, I want to be like that. Hey, they're not like that. That's a lie. Amen? I know it's, you know, entertainment, but it's still not true. If it's not true, what is it? It's a lie. I'm not trying to throw any stones, but, but the thing is, if, if you get to thinking, I want to be like that, and you're trying to live a lie, you're wanting to be a lie, how many people do that? So they try to have the right kind of car and the right kind of look, and they try to live that, and it's a lie, it's a facade, it's not genuine, and they're trying to be a lie and trying to live a lie. Their heart's not honest. And you know, it takes a lot of energy keeping up a front. You know, a lot of people, when they, when they finally get home, and they, they close the door, and they go, ah. <laughs> now they can be their self. <laughs> many people pull off many different false apparatuses <laughs> physically. But even more so, People pull off false apparatuses spiritually and mentally. They pull off their spiritual face. And they dispense with their spiritual vocabulary. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Believe God, brother. Yes, amen. And, and you know, and they, they, they go back to being them. How many of you can put on your church hat? You can go your charismatic cap, <laughs> your spiritual face. God hates falsehood. Understand that He despises it, He abhors it, and if you have falsehood in you, it will hold you away from God. It will hold you away from Him. It will put distance between you and Him. Remember what Jesus said in John four. He said, they that worship God must worship Him how? In spirit and in truth. 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 When you come to worship God, you, you, have to, you have to have an honest heart. You can't have any fronts. Other people might think you look good and you're doing God good, but God looks right at your heart. And He says, false. It's not real. And that's like a wall between you and Him. But if you can get that falseness down and just be honest and real with Him, you can worship Him and you can fellowship with Him. You cannot really worship God without humbling yourself and without being real. Without being real. Being genuine. You can't really worship Him unless you, you do that. Thank God for truth. Amen? Truth. The Bible talks about the love of the truth. The love of the truth. I love the truth, don't you? I love the truth. In fact, I'll say this. This may sound like an over-exaggeration. I love the truth above all things and everybody. What do you mean? Aren't you supposed to love Jesus above all things? Who do you think I'm talking about? He said, I am the way. And what? The truth. The truth. When you say, I love the truth, you're saying, I love the Word. Who is the Word? I love Jesus. Who is Jesus? I love God. Amen. Do you love the truth? Love the truth. Love the truth. 
Love the truth. Say, I love the truth. truth. Hallelujah. So what kind of heart is a heart that produces results? It's an honest heart. Amen. It's a good heart. Honest heart. You know, you can tell, you can tell honest hearts too. At least I, I can. I can tell. You don't have to spend a lot of time with people either. My, my wife and I oftentimes in our travels, you know, we'll, we'll meet somebody, just be with them for a few minutes or something. And we, we might be going back our way or something. And, and I'll just look over there and say, you know, they got a good heart. She'll say, yep, yeah, I know what you mean. They got a good heart. What do you mean? Honest. Real. It doesn't mean they know everything. Doesn't mean they've arrived. Doesn't mean they got every area together. But they got a good heart. They're honest. They're sincere. They're genuine and real. And boy, if, you, if somebody's got that, God can do something with them. God can do something. Yeah, they might make some mistakes. They they may mess up on some things. But but God can get them out of it. He can redeem them. He can turn it around if if they got that. A heart that that's humble. And, and real and sincere and honest and quick to repent. That kind of a heart, a good heart. Good heart. You might be, con- they might be confused in their head, but they got a good heart. How I many of there's a big difference? Because there are, there's the other situation where that somebody, I mean, you know, their head, they got it lined out. And it sounds real good with what they say with their head, but you can tell their heart. Mm-mm. Not something you perceive intellectually. It's not something you perceive physically. It's something you perceive spiritually. You can sense it. And I, I suppose you grow in these things too over the years. But, but, you, but you sense things. Just be as honest and sincere as you know how. You know, sometimes you just have to make an extra effort, don't you? To make sure people know the truth. I've had people before, God used me in a certain way, in a service maybe, and it it appeared fairly spectacular. And I've had people before, they said, well, wasn't that great, this happened or that happened? And sometimes I had to burst their balloon. Say, so, well, what about this? What about this? And I'd say, well, I already knew that. You did? Yeah. Well, I thought, yeah, yeah, I know, but I already knew some of that. Oh. What about this? What about that? Well, well, it wasn't quite like you thought. It was like this. I know sometimes all you have to do is say nothing. Leave the wrong impression. And your flesh likes that because your flesh likes to be elevated and isn't that right? But that'll hurt you. I said, that'll hurt you. Letting things go. Letting people believe wrong when you know better. Saying the wrong thing when you know better. It'll hurt you. It'll hurt you. It'll hurt your faith. It'll hurt your fellowship with God. That's serious. Now, if I ain't God, I don't care if you've lied three times a day all your life. The blood of Jesus can cleanse you. Amen. And you can get rid of it. You can change. You can leave it. You can change your heart. And if you've had a lying heart for a long time, you can have a truthful, honest heart. You can change. It can change today. Can you say amen? Now let's go on. I didn't intend to take quite that long, but you know how preachers do. Go with me to Hebrews 10. Seems like our time in here goes pretty quick. All right. (laughs) Hebrews 10. Let me talk further to you about the kind of heart that produces results. The kind of heart that produces results, first of all, is going to have to be a kind of heart that can draw near to God. Because He is the source of your healing, whatever it is you need. He's, he's the one, but you've got, before you can receive from Him, you've got to draw near to Him. Let's say I had something that, that I was going to give you, and I already told you that I had given it to you, but, uh, you had to come to my house to get it. That's where it's at, and that's where I'm at, and I've told you about it. Well, see, you gotta draw near. 
And you got to you got to draw near to me because that's where it's at. It's with me at my house. If you couldn't get to the house, then you couldn't get it. Is that right? Because that's where it's at. How many know where your blessings are at? <laughs> In God. Isn't that right? But you got to be able to draw near to Him. You have to have the kind of heart that can draw near to Him. Well, why why couldn't everybody's heart draw near to Him? Simple. Condemnation. Condemnation keeps people from drawing near to God. He said, draw near to me and I will draw near to you. But you have to be able to do that. In Hebrews, the 10th chapter, notice here in verse 17. He said, their sins and iniquities will I remember no more. Aren't you glad? Now, where the mission of these is, there is no more offering for sin. No need for any. Amen? How do know that, 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 that the remission of sins by the blood of Jesus is complete? You don't have to do anything else. That's it. That's all that's needed to take care of your mistakes. He says, having therefore, since we know this, since we know this, brethren, having boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way which he hath consecrated for us through the veil, that is to say his flesh, and having a high priest over the house of God, let us what? Draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. To be able to receive from God and produce results, you first have to be able to draw near to Him. have to be able to draw near to Him. And the thing that will hinder you and keep you from doing that is a condemned heart. A guilty conscience, we could say. And that's why the devil so tries to get you into sin. And then even if you have sinned and have repented, tries to keep you in condemnation for what you have done because he wants to hinder you from being able to receive. Whether it's receiving healing, receiving light, receiving help. But friend, he, he talked about the fact here that, that if we have received the cleansing of the blood, the Lord doesn't remember our sins and iniquities anymore. And we ought to have boldness to enter right into the holy of holies, the holiest place, the very throne of God, and to draw near. I mean, come right on up to the throne. Draw near, right on up to God. Amen. With a true heart. True heart. Why can we do that? Because our heart has been sprinkled from an evil conscience. The blood of Christ has been applied to our hearts. And it cleansed us from our guilty conscience. Oh, thank God. Thank God. Thank God. Amen. Hebrews 4, you know, said that, that we are to uh, come boldly. Before the throne of grace. Boldly. We might obtain mercy and find grace to help in our time of need. How can you come boldly before the presence of Him who is pure and holy? How can, how can we, mortals that we are, individuals that have made mistakes that we are, how can we do that? How can we really come boldly before God Almighty? Have you, have you ever thought about God and His purity and His holiness? Holiness has a heart-searching effect. The presence of the holiness of God is like a spotlight of unimaginable brilliance being shined on you. <laughs> and under that spotlight, any little blemish or fault is glaring. How can we do it then? By the blood. By the blood. Isn't that what he said? Drawing nigh how? By that blood. By that blood. How can we draw in, come right into the holiest place? By the blood. By the blood. Amen. You got to make up your mind, friend. Are you guilty or are you clean? Yeah, you've missed it. I've missed it too. But did you repent? Did you repent? 
Do you believe God heard you? Is he faithful? Did he say that he's faithful and just to forgive you and cleanse you? Did, did he do it? Then friend, make up your mind. You cannot be condemned. Amen. Make up your mind. I've made mistakes. You have too. We, we, we've done things we wouldn't want to, to stand up and tell today. Isn't that right? But I'll tell you another thing. If you brought it up to me right now, I refuse to be condemned over it. Amen? I refuse to go around the rest of the day with shame about it. I refuse to be embarrassed about it. I refuse to. Why? Because I'm clean. I said I'm clean. I'm clean. I know I'm clean. Amen. And because I know that I know that I know that I'm clean, I can get on my knees and by faith I can come right into the presence of the holy throne of God. I can stand there before Him as though I never missed it. And lift up my head and say, Father, I come to receive such and such. Amen. And I know he's not going to look at me and ask me about this or ask me about that because he said your sins, your iniquities, I remember no more. Hallelujah. No more. Glory. Glory. So the Bible said over there in 1 John 3, it said, if our heart condemns us not, then have we confidence toward God and whatever we ask we receive of him. Glory to God. If. See, many times that's, that's people's problem. Healing is yours. I don't care what it is you need. It's yours. God has it. It's bought and paid for. He's holding it. But so many times people lack the boldness. They lack the confidence to come and draw near and come right up in the presence of God and lay hold of it with their heart and receive it. They, they lack that confidence. Because they got things hanging over their head that they, they don't forget. They won't turn loose. Sometimes people have told me, yeah, but Brother Keith, you don't, you don't know what I've done. And I said, yeah, and you don't know how powerful the blood is. Don't make any difference what you've done. The blood is powerful to clean. Sinners plunge beneath that flood, lose all, all their guilty stains. No more guilt, no more stain. See, Peter on his fishing boat, when he saw the miracle of the great draft of fishes, when he saw that, and he, re- and he looked at Jesus, and he realized that Jesus had something to do with this, and he realized the holiness of this individual before him. He got a glimpse of it, and the, the Bible said, he pulled back and said, Lord, depart from me, because I'm a sinful man. I see. Because his heart was condemned, what did it make him do? Pull back, pull away. Well, are you going to receive like that? Going to have result? Uh-uh. Uh-uh. You see, sin consciousness causes you to draw back and fear. But righteousness consciousness causes you to be bold and draw near. Amen? Did you hear that? Sin consciousness, being conscious of sin and mistakes and past failures causes you to draw back and fear. You won't receive like that. Oh, but righteousness consciousness. Conscious of the fact that him who knew no sin was made to be sin with my sin. He took my sin. He bore my sin. And I now have been made the righteousness of God in Christ. Yes, I've missed it, but I've been washed. I've been cleansed. I've been sanctified. I've been made holy. There are no more stains on me. God doesn't remember them anymore. Amen? Amen. Conscious of that. Conscious of that. You can throw off those suggestions and throw off those memories and you can come boldly, boldly drawing near right into the holiest. That's where your healing is. That's where where your grace is. That's where your answer is. That's where everything is. Is in Him. Can you say amen? Amen. Hallelujah. A second element here of the kind of heart that produces results is a heart that receives. Once you get in the presence of God, you draw near to Him, you must receive. 
By that I mean you must let that seed be sown into your heart. What kind of heart is that? That, that That's what Mark eleven twenty four is talking about. When you pray, believe what? Believe that you receive. There's, there's got to be some point when you, you believe, this is it, I'm taking it right now. I'm taking it by faith out of the hand of God into my being. You don't see it, you don't feel it physically, but you've got to believe it happens. Amen. Just as real as reaching out with a natural physical hand and taking something out of somebody else's hand and taking it to yourself, that's what happens in faith when you receive from God. It's, it's got to occur. You've got to, at some point, you've got to be bold enough and confident enough to come right up in the presence of God by faith. It's by, all of it's by faith. And say, Lord, I know that healing is mine. I know that it belongs to me. And in the name of Jesus, I believe that I receive. And by faith, you take it into yourself. And from that moment on, you believe you got it. You took it. Amen. You know, a lot of times I tell people when they, when they believe they receive, you know, make note of the time. It was 3.30 on a Thursday afternoon. Amen. When I received. I didn't say you felt it or saw it. You believed you received. Amen. Got to be some point where you believe you received. And that's that's another way of saying a heart that's fully persuaded. There's got to be some point where you are fully persuaded you've got it. Where? In here. In my heart, in my spirit, I've got it. I'm not working to get it. I believe I've received. Amen. How many of you got to, you got to believe you've got it inside first before you see and feel on the outside? You got to believe you've got, not that you're working on it, you got it. You've got it. You've got it. You believe you've got it on the inside. Amen. And your heart's fully persuaded of it. Amen. When I get in faith about something, I'm through working to get it. That's it. I'm through. I'm through. All, all I do now is thank God. And expect to see it in the natural. Many times in a situation like that, I've had people come and say, well, you know, I, I'll pray with you. I'll believe with you. I say, I got it. You can join your faith with me if you want to. I got it. Well, we're working. We'll get it. No, I got it. You understand? I've got it. We'll work with you and help you. And we'll get it some way, somehow. Uh-uh. You misunderstand. I already have it. Well, you don't look like you have it. I know that. But I've got it. Amen. At some point, it's got to be a ceasing of labors and you've entered into the rest of faith. I have it now. That's before you see or feel change. Amen. So you believe you receive. You're fully persuaded. You believe that that truth in the Word of God, you believe it is true, and you believe it is yours. Mine, right now. The third element of the heart that, that produces the results is what we saw in that phrase up there in Luke earlier. It said that kind of heart, that honest heart, that good heart that receives, it's a heart that hears, it's a heart that keeps it. And brings forth fruit with patience. 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 What does that mean? you got to have a heart that once you've believed you've received, you have the tenacity to keep believing that as long as it takes. They bring forth fruit with what? Patience. Patience. The Bible says that if we don't grow weary, if we don't faint, if we don't give up you know, and cast our confidence away, we will reap. We will reap the harvest if we don't faint, if we don't give up and quit. The Bible warns us about casting away our confidence. Doesn't it? How many know even though you receive, that's not the end. You've got to keep it. When you've received, what has happened? You've got the seed planted in, in you. You've got the seed planted in the ground now. But how many know that's not the end? You've got to keep it now. Keep it. Keep it in there. Keep it watered. Keep the seed growing. And so many times in these situations, what will happen is there'll be first the blade, then the ear, then the full corn in the ear. 
It'll begin to grow in you and get bigger and bigger. And it'll begin to say, out of the heart, out of the heart come the issues of life. Your heart gets full of it and then it starts putting a little sprig out further than the heart. And it starts affecting the flesh a little bit. And then that gets growing a little bigger and another tendril reaches out into the flesh. It begins to affect the flesh and begins to push out some of the pain and push out some of the discomfort and push out some of the infection and push out some of the problems and until tendrils of healing work all the way through your flesh, top and bottom, and blooms of healing begin to break forth and fruit of healing begins to come forth. And next thing you know, you've got a full-blown bumper crop of healing. Hallelujah! See, so many times people have a very narrow concept of healing. Well, it always has to happen an instantaneous miracle. You see, uh, it happens instantly. All symptoms and all pain are gone. But no, that's not, that's not just healing. That, that's a miracle of healing. That's beyond just healing. Healing means recovery, restoration. And he, he likens these things unto the principle of sowing and reaping. How many, how many know that you don't take an acorn and put it in the ground and cover it up and say, All clear! All clear! And I mean, up out of the ground, the thing comes, and you got a full-blown oak tree, you see, within a second or two. Well, why do you think he gives us the, 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 the parable of the sower and tells us that the seed's the word? Because that's the way, in most situations, the word works. It's on the same principle. And why do you think he tells us, don't cast away your confidence? Don't get weary in well-doing. Why does he tell us this? Why does he tell us through faith and patience you'll inherit the promises? Persevere. Don't quit. Why? Because obviously things don't always happen instantaneously and you're going to have to stand your ground on some things. Amen? Obviously. If not, he wouldn't even need to tell us anything about casting our confidence away because if it all happens instantaneously, you know, why would you need to hear that? The kind of heart that produces results is a good, honest heart. It's a heart that's uncondemned, a heart that's righteous, a heart that draws near to God, a heart that receives with a solid, settled conviction of full persuasion. It's mine. I've received it now. And it's a heart that keeps with patience what it has received. Feel good, feel bad, get better, get worse, sunshiny, cloudy, makes no difference. It believes the same thing. It holds on to it. And it believes that word is working mightily in it. What happens with that, with that kind of heart? Look at it again. Turn there in closing to Luke 8. Look at it. What happens? How many know this? How many know this works for everybody? Everywhere. This is a principle of the Word. This is a principle of God. Verse 15. But that on the good ground. Everybody say, I'm good ground. That on the good ground are they which in an honest and good heart. Everybody say, I've got an honest heart. You're being honest now, aren't you? So I've got an honest heart. And a good heart. And I will have an honest and a good heart. It says, they ha having heard the word. Have you heard the word? Sure you have. You heard the word about healing? Sure you have. Many of you several times. Having heard the word... And, of course, implied in that is some other things that he's mentioned already. They heard the word and they received it. But then what does he say? Keep it and bring forth fruit. Boy, I like those three words. Bring forth fruit. What does that mean? That means there is a manifestation of healing. That means the money comes in. That means you get the answer. Hallelujah! That's what it means. And bring forth fruit with patience. Didn't happen overnight. Took some patience. Amen? But they got a crop. Glory to God. Glory to God. You know, I grew up on the farm. And we had crops. Usually bigger than what I wanted. I don't mean we had a little six by nine plot out in the backyard. This is out in the country. They planted things in acres. Not feet, acres. How many know acres? Acres. And you know, it's one thing to work stuff with big six and eight and ten row machines. It's another thing to work them with two pickers, you see. Five fingered machines. And you know, 
We'd say, we'd say, Mom, Granddad, they were the chief planters. Let's not plant so big this time. <laughs> They'd get carried away. Next thing you know, we got an extra acre of this and extra two acres of that. And you're thinking, oh boy. And, 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 you know, not too many people around. I had little friends that would come over and pray with, play with me. And boy, when mom said something about the garden, they were gone. I mean, they're, they're, they're out of here. And not too many folk were around handy during planting time. Or hoeing time. You understand what I'm saying? Oh, but harvest time. <laughs> when all those big red tomatoes are on the vine, all that fresh corn and fresh beans and fresh peas and fresh cucumbers and fresh peppers and fresh watermelon and fresh cantaloupes. Then you had lots of friends drop by that you, you hadn't seen in a long time. See, people like the harvest mode. They like that. They like, how many know you don't have a harvest unless you plant, unless you water, Unless you work, unless you wait, and let nature take its course and let it grow. Isn't that right? Well, friend, there are a lot of people who get ready to shout with you in your harvest. Amen. Maybe, you know, you may look around sometimes during planting time and working time and man, where's everybody at? That's all right. You just plant it. Keep it with patience. And you will bring Fourth fruit. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.